listening to episode 195 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the Netflix Showcase Canada co-production of Travelers, starring Eric McCormick. Weather-wise, again, we say this all the time, East Coast, yesterday it was horrible, like in the 50s. Uh, today, it was awesome, and I yeah. had to do everything in my power to stay inside and not go work in the yard. <laughs> Yeah, yesterday was gross, but today was gorgeous. So, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Lacrosse team went 2 and 0 over the weekend, so I'm I'm happy. All right. <laughs> um I finally got to the completion of my Stargate Universe watch and nice. I must say the the series finale given that they really didn't know it was going to be a finale uh for the series was pretty darn satisfying, which then in turn led me to look at Joe Malazzi's blog, who, who's one of the showrunners for the show. And he also is the showrunner for Dark Matter. And a long story short, I, I, I've i known for a while because Michael turned me on to the fact that he has a blog that he keeps up really regularly and, and is quite prolific. So long story short, I went back and started reading a lot of his posts related to Stargate Universe and, and just really fascinating look at how shows are developed, how they're made, how they're they're uh, created on a, a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. So disappointed. I guess I'll give Stargate Atlantis a try sometime in the future. But as we always say, there's a lot of other stuff out there I got to get to first. Right. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you're in the Stargate, there's, like, plenty out there to, you know. Well, like there you is. Can- and Roland Emmerich, who made the movie, is, has been talking for a while now about rebooting the franchise. So who knows? Wow. That'd be even more than that'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we mentioned last week and, and we didn't talk about this before we came on the air tonight, but we, we did say we were going to talk a little bit about Doctor Who this time. Yes. And, uh, you know, obviously we've both seen it. I've seen the, the the first episode twice now because as any Doctor Who fan knows, the BBC America channel runs the previous week's episode first and then that night's. And my, my wife is into it. I mean, she is now, I mean, she's always liked Doctor Who, but she never made a point of watching it week to week. And now she's like, did you DVR it? Did you? So we'll, we'll just talk a little bit about the, the first episode which was called the pilot. What do right. you think? So like, like we were kind of talking about last week, um, you know, I, it wasn't immediately standing out to me, you know, like it was good. Like now I, I actually rewatched it last night. I, I'm convinced once again, that uh, like the new companion bill is great. Just love her. Uh, right from the start, she was awesome. She told that story about uh, giving extra chips to a girl in the line, and you, you know, like it was, she was supposed to be answering the doctor's question as to why she was attending his lectures, and so she tells the story. At the end, of it, he's like, it "Doesn't really have anything to do with uh, the answer to my question at all." She's like, "Nah, I was hoping it would go somewhere, and it just didn't." You know, like that—that's a classic kind of Stephen Moffat type thing. But uh, but she was great. Uh, even rewatching the uh, the the first episode of this season, um, you know, like the 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 deadly danger wasn't quite didn't seem quite so dangerous. It was you know slightly creepy with the you know the chick materializing out of the floor of water and everything, but uh, other than that, you know, it really wasn't. Didn't, never felt very perilous. 
Um, we never really understood, even again, watching the second time. And this happens all the time with Doctor Who. I never really get exactly what the you know, like, why. Yeah, you know, like I know that I understand that this thing was pursuing Bill because the the girl that it took over was pursuing. But I never understood why they had to take over the girl in the first place. You know, did you catch that? Or? Well, I guess they just needed somebody and I to guess do for what reason i i don't know <laughs> pilot the ship right she's I, supposed I, to be a pilot i'm like i i i, yeah. I, I don't know i never now we also it's certainly okay to bleed into episode two because we're not doing a formal episode review here we're just kind of talking about the the new season but i mean one thing like you said i was i don't want to say i was prepared to dislike the new companion because that's that's not true but i was i was prepared because i know my own history with doctor who to really make this companion win me over and and like you said it didn't take her long at all now now granted we have to give the writers a lot of credit because she has a lot of great lines but she but but her whole persona and how she approaches the doctor is I don't want to say it's totally different because that's not the case, but she she questions him about every little thing mm-hmm. that I th- I think, you know, some of the others did, but but it just seems to come across differently here. And, you, you know, in, in last night's episodes, like, okay, the control panel's here, the chairs are over there. Did you ever think about moving them closer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it just things like that, that, yeah. that uh, asking all these questions that I, I just think, you know, it, it's just a wonderful dynamic. And, you know, last night's episode was a little better, but but back to the pilot, did, did you notice, because in, I presume this season, he's a college lecturer, right? Yes. Now, how he got that gig, who knows? We, we don't know, yeah. We don't know. No, he, almost- he's talking about the oath he made not to leave Earth. Now, did, did that happen? Are we supposed to know about that? You know, and guard this vault, which we don't know. I don't think we know. Like you said, are we supposed to? I mean, did it have something to do with with Amy being in limbo? Uh, I'm sorry, not Clara. Amy. Uh, uh, Clara being in limbo with uh, the girl from Game of Thrones. I can't remember her name in the uh, Doctor Who oh, universe. Yeah, I can't remember. Right, but but the two Arya of them Stark. are right. <laughs> She's always going to be, no matter how old she gets. <laughs> Right, but but that that idea that did it have something to do with Clara? I, I I don't remember, but regardless, you know there is that. Um, but did you notice the pictures he has on his desk? I I did. Um, so now I know you know one of them, obviously. Right, and the other I know like the one companion like died on him. Well, the the other picture, the black and white photograph, is Susan from the first season Ah. and the premise in the first season back in 1963 64 is that susan is the doctor's granddaughter yes right i I remember that and there are two other companions as well uh, the teachers right right two of her high school teachers so again i don't know why he has a picture of her i mean is it just because it's his granddaughter is it that you know somehow the writers are going to work her character back into the show which would be pretty darn cool yeah so 
Uh, I don't know. You but, could do it. But yeah, like, they brought Peter Cushing back to Star Wars, so you know. yeah. Yes, they did. <laughs> but but like you said, you know, the the first episode, the 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 actual danger wasn't all that compelling. But I I think they had a lot to lay out there with a new companion, and and, and they gave us what we wanted. I don't care if you say it's trite, and I don't mean you, because I, I think you're probably like me. It's like to hear her say the words we want every person that walks into the TARDIS say, we got to hear her say that. Right. But I, how funny is that? Because, you know, you're expecting it right away, and she's just noticing all these things about it. And and Matt Lucas even actually turns to the doctor and says, this certainly is taking a while, isn't it? And then she finally says it, and they're like, finally, thank you. You know, like they're waiting for her to say the whole as we were, you know? Like, when's she going to say it? When's she going to say it? So I just thought that was – well, and – the the scenes with Matt Lucas are are fantastic. He is just such a great comic actor that um, uh, it just you know it, it's just, it really really the dialogue was just you know that one time he like says oh banter you know it's like oh that was your turn yeah like just right. stuff like that it's just really classic kind of Stephen Moffat type stuff so yeah and hopefully we'll get to see Nardol throughout the entire season. I'm not sure what the plan is because I try to to stay as spoiler-free as possible, although I guess that's not the biggest spoiler in the world to know that Nardole is going to be a, a recurring character, but eh, it would be nice. I mean, there's no reason we can't have two companions. I mean, we had oh, yeah. uh, Rory Rory and, and Amy. Amy. Yeah, for a long time. That, so that, that worked out. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing, I actually was watching it last night. I thought one great thing about that episode was how they in, uh, put uh, – the Joy Division song "Love Will Tear Us Apart" in there. I thought that was just fantastic. You know, I can't hear enough Joy Division ever. So, uh, you know, to to have that uh, pop up in the Doctor Who uh, episode was awesome. So, all right, uh, anything else? No, I think that's that's probably you know. Again, I think pretty much we just both agree that uh, that maybe the the actual story itself is not quite as great, especially for a. You know, season opener, we're used to them really kind of knocking this out with that. And it, this one didn't really knock me out, but uh, but definitely two thumbs up on Bill, the new companion. She's fantastic and uh, loving her in this. It never gets old to listen to the doctor play the guitar. Either. Right, right. Yeah, he's playing Beethoven's Fifth. Yes, he is. So, all right, well, let's move on to uh, some listener feedback. Oh, I thought you were going to and- say the leftovers. That'll be next week, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Listener feedback. I have to apologize to Davia Archibald, who, yeah, I guess somehow something got lost. I, I think she was saying that she she sent me something through the Twitter feed, and I didn't get it. So I, I think everybody's safest bet is just to go through sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com, because that we do seem to get. Actually, I, I should even hesitate for a second uh, before getting into Davia's email. We're recording this week on Sunday night. Uh, we usually record on Mondays, but we can't record Monday because? Oh, it's my wife's birthday. Oh, I was thinking it was your anniversary. All right, you know no, what? No, no, no. Essentially, same difference for what I'm about to uh, to tell you, and and. You'll thank me for it later, okay? Because uh, you know Wayne, you're good at a lot of things, but it's her birthday. You know, you gave up the podcast for her so you could do whatever it is you're going to do with her on her birthday. But whatever it is you do, don't do it too well, because she'll notice. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, no worries about that, Dave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh but yeah, that was that was uh man. That that was a harsh line. That was. All right. Well, anyway, back to Davia's email. She says, I've really enjoyed your in-depth analysis of this first season. I like the episodes from the beginning, but I appreciate them even more after each review. I finally caught up with the rewatch in time to email. And I think because of when I got her email and because we're recording a, a little bit earlier, so I think we're an episode behind. So this was a weird episode for me. It's an unusual mix of the impersonal time travel plan from the director and the very personal consequences of time travel for these travelers. First, the director has one traveler kill her husband and has McLaren save the life of a pompous politician while all the other innocent passengers on the plane die. Yeah. So obviously this is recording uh, referring back to last week's episode. Yes. But the, Marce- you know, like they were supposed to die though, like right? Right. right. So, so. Uh, Marcy finally tells David that she's dying but has to leave suddenly. Philip has to deal with the effects of drug withdrawal. Trevor has to give up an afternoon with his dad just as he starts to respect him. That might be pushing it a little bit far, but yeah, at least they were starting to reach some kind of common ground, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Carly's still dealing with her abusive husband. Yeah. It's well, interesting baby daddy. Or baby daddy. Good. It's interesting to see McLaren's willing to die for Catherine, his 21st century wife. I hadn't really seen this relationship build that much. And I also like the surprise on Carly's face at this realization. Yeah. And as we said, I think that's got to be something that's explored, if not in these last two episodes, certainly in in the beginning of season two. Well, I mean, we saw, I mean, how how much of this episode was his kind of, I guess, a deepening relationship with his own wife, you know? Yeah, sure. Like the the traveler McLaren is starting to fall in love with Catherine too, right? And you know what we see in the episode we're going to talk about tonight takes that many steps further. All right, now other little bits I loved: Marcy's "The Future Doesn't Like It When We Improvise." Yeah, I like that. That was good. The director kept as much as possible a secret for as long as possible. Yeah, that's been fact- pretty standard operating procedure, though, yeah. right? Right. And the fact that McLaren is terrified of flying in an airplane after having traveled back in time. Right. Yeah, that that's certainly something that, that was very amusing to me. Yeah. So very very strange that someone who had left his own body to enter someone else's would be scared of flying. Yeah. Right. All right. Now we also heard from Harvey Williams, who says, Hi guys, I'm a longtime listener and really enjoy all of your stuff. It's really top. Thank you, Harvey. Um, he, I'm emailing in because, like you, I was curious as to the significance of the dead woman text that Trevor gave his counselor in episode eight of Travelers. I did some quick Googling and found that the dead woman, or La Muerta, is a poem by Pablo Neruda. The poem is actually the story of a man who is talking about how he would respond to the woman he loves dying. It focuses on remaining strong in the face of insurmountable tragedy. I thought this was intriguing, and after hearing the two of you discuss it, thought you might like to know this. Hope you found this interesting. I've copied in the poem below if you're interested in reading it. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, and Harvey Williams. And I'm going to go ahead and post the poem on the Facebook page. I thought about putting it on the website, but I think there's probably more traffic on the Facebook group. But uh, if I could, I'll, I'll just read the poem real quickly. It's not all that long. It's called The Dead Woman. If suddenly you do not exist, if suddenly you no longer live, I shall live on. I do not dare. I do not dare to write it if you die. I shall live on. 
For where a man has no voice, there my voice. Where blacks are beaten, I cannot be dead. When my brothers go to prison, I shall go with them. When victory, not my victory, but the great victory comes, even though I am mute, I must speak. I shall see it come even though I am blind. No, forgive me. If you no longer live, if you, beloved, my love, if you have died, all the leaves will fall in my breast. It will rain on my soul night and day. The snow will burn my heart. I shall walk with frost and fire and death and snow. My feet will want to walk to where you are sleeping, but I shall stay alive because above all things, you wanted me indomitable. And my love, because you know that I am not only a man, but all mankind. Hmm. Now, a couple of things strike me about that. Okay. Number one, the fact that the 17-year-old Trevor is giving this to his adult counselor. Yeah, that's cheeky. Uh, it's very cheeky and, and I think somewhat problematic And that uh, if this counselor doesn't immediately contact one of the administrators and say, I'm just bringing this to your attention. Yeah. I'm not saying you got to do anything, but, but hey. this is the same woman who walked out to the track to tell him about his test. Right. So, you know, yeah. they might good point that, you know, apparently in the, the, the world of Seattle and the travelers here, like the uh, inappropriate relationships do not exist. Right. But I also wonder, you know, having looked at it a, a few times, if we can, see it in terms of what the travelers are doing. And, and, and that last line, I, I, uh, you wanted me indomitable and my love, because you know that I'm not only a man, but all mankind, you know, does this have something to do with, again, trying to save the human race. Yeah. And, you know, when you do go back and look at it, I, I think you could make a case that that's, you know, maybe a reasonable interpretation, maybe not what was intended by the, travelers writers but still either way very cool poem yeah. well and i think they i mean obviously they they picked that book on purpose um it could be as simple as someone just really likes pablo neruda but i would tend to think that they knew obviously they know exactly what this poem is and what it's about and, and they purposefully picked it to have some kind of um you know metaphorical significance sure so want to thank you, Harvey and Davia, and again, love to hear from you guys about your thoughts and, and anything you picked up that you, you think we would find interesting, because look, hey, if we find it interesting, we know you will as well. So, talking about interesting, let's get to episode 10 of season one, Catherine, written by Jason Whiting and S.B. Edwards, directed by Andy Makita, and this one aired originally December 19th, 2016. How apropos that we witness a mind wipe just after watching the Doctor Who premiere in which the doctor wants to wipe Bill's mind. Right, and she talks him out of it, right? Yeah, and and you know what? To me, that was such an emotional scene. And, you know, I started really thinking about it in terms of travelers because Bill says, how would you feel if somebody did that to you? Yeah, yeah. And wow. And it really struck the doctor. Now- back to travelers we understand why they have to do that or why they feel they have to do that sure but still yeah yes yeah, it's, it's still not nice and so what do you 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 make her think she royally tied one on on a tuesday night you know like even she doesn't buy it you know right like she knows it feels wrong and she's just like i've never done this before why why would i have done why would this have happened i don't even remember any of this right. well and the other thing is that when they were setting the scene 
I'm thinking like, okay, now, as you know, I'm not a drinker, but two people, four bottles of wine. Yeah. That's well, again, I think it's obviously meant to be like super excessive and because they don't know they're like, how much, how much wine would it take? And Philip is a great line. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in the heroin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. that was good. Um, but they don't know because obviously again, alcohol is not a thing in the future. So they're, they're like, as we've seen before. So they just have to like, kind of, you know, figure it. Yeah. Now the bulk of this episode revolves around the attempt to save McLaren's life, but I, I really liked it. You know, it came to a head Marcy tells Carly that there's a problem with his heart. And I'm thinking like, oh, cat versus Carly. Mm-hmm. And and again, obviously, we know she was talking about his literal heart. Like literally his heart, yeah. And since he only has one, he's kind of in trouble. Exactly. Well, he has one, but, you know, you can always grow another oh, in, in your my. buddy's stomach. Okay. <laughs> Which then leads me to my next thought. Where did the team get all of the medical equipment that they're using? I mean, are they bringing stuff? I mean, we no, have it was it was there. The uh, the medical team brought it in. Remember, they get they came back to the garage and it was they had already set up. Well, yeah, but what I'm getting at is, uh, you know, in, in terms of time travel, it's it's consciousness that is traveling through time. So did they get here? And and so these are all materials that are available in the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything they make, they have to manufacture it here, but they have the know-how from the future. Right. So they can, they just, they they put together here, but they have the, the, the tech or, you know, the knowledge from the future that to be able to make all this stuff. Okay. Uh, now, though we eventually learn the answer, I guess what makes this episode so compelling is the, the fact that we're wondering whether the visions that we see of McLaren and Cat are his memories or are they flashbacks? And, and I got to thinking as I'm watching it, well, does it even really make a difference? And then I started thinking, again, why this episode was so uh, compelling is that then, okay, are they possibly Cat's memories and flashbacks? But yeah, I mean, once we see him with the ladders, you know, that pretty much seals it that we know they're his memories because I guess that's supposed to uh, imply that he's trying to climb back to the world of the living. Well, and and, you know, like that Freudian idea of the unconscious being this great mass of our consciousness that's below ground. And then our conscious self being this, like an iceberg, this little tip above the water. So, you know, that this idea of moving up through consciousness into the, the actual, you know, consciousness that we're avail that our senses make available to us versus the deep, the lower levels, which is the stuff that is not available to us consciously. And so, you know, my thought was, because we had talked about this before, about how much of the previous host is still in there, right? Yeah. Because the previous host isn't dead when they enter the, the person's, you know, when they take over the body. So, you know, we had wondered about how much of the, that previous host consciousness remains. And, and we see now, I uh, wondered if McLaren, the actual Grant McLaren, would fight back. But you see, he's he's barely there at all. and And then he's 
gone by the end of this episode. Right. And we'll you know get to the explanation that, that were provided uh, later in the discussion. But that all said, which I, I agree with, I, I just think they really did a nice job in having us question this all along until we finally, you know, I mean, we're, we're pretty sure it's McLaren, but there are other possibilities. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, when we see the flashbacks, are they are they just giving us just flashbacks narratively or is McLaren actually experiencing these memories? Yep. Now, the other medical team doctor acknowledges that he knows something's wrong with Marcy. And while presumably he could save her, he says that he's not authorized to. Yep. So why would the director not want her to be saved? You know, the director has his or her motives. Yes. And, uh, and, and they are, un, you know, unknowable to those on the ground. Right. You know, and, you know, they, they kind of just, uh, it seems like the, the teams are here. Just basically, we, we put our trust and faith into the director that he or she knows what he or she is doing. And, um, you know, and that's, that's, that's that. Is the director omniscient? I mean, are all the traveler teams being observed this closely? We assume so, right? Oh, well, I don't know. That's a pretty hefty task, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll find out. All right. The opening scene, the team's driving away from the crash scene, you know, picks up from where it left off the, the previous week. And they're trying to calm down a distraught and clearly confused, understandably, Catherine, who's fully aware that her husband was in the plane. Eventually, Marcy injects her with something to knock her out. And then, again, in a, a scene that was so fraught with with uh, fear and and you know, distraught behavior, it was sort of funny. It's like, some, do something to shut her up. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, Carly, right, who's yeah. obviously very bitter about Kat. And, you know, she said, I don't see how he can stand her, you know. <laughs> Like, there's definitely, for a lot of the shots and lines that Carly has in this one, have double meanings. Right. And, you know, they get her back to her home, and they set about setting up the scene, uh, as we were talking a few minutes ago, for a, a night of heavy drinking. But we also find out that the t- medical team members, Marcy in particular, routinely carry memory inhibitors for obvious reasons, as we said. But... After that, then we cut to uh, the team goes to the building where the med team's already working to save McLaren. And though the prognosis seems bleak, we find out that there is hope. And then, as you mentioned, uh, that if there is a need to grow an organ, which there was, uh, what did they say? It was a pancreas or wasn't the liver. I forget what it was. But What did uh, they grew in Trevor? What they grew in Trevor. They grew his heart. Oh, that was a heart? Yeah. Oh, yikes. Yeah, because they pulled uh, Trevor and stuck it into uh, McLaren. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> as if that little organism that they put on him that we assume burrowed in through his belly button. I'm yeah. not. Oh. I love the doctor's like bedside manner. He's like, this is going to hurt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, uh, you know, gloss it over here. Yeah, I'm not going to code sugarcoat it. It's going to be painful. Yeah. All right. Well, the episode 
pretty neatly breaks down into real time as the traveler surgical teams working on McLaren. And then the other story where McLaren's memories uh, are, are shown to us as he's fighting for his life. So, so uh, the doc uses some kind of organism that, that I said burrows into Trevor and uh, there's mention of nanotechnology or nanites, which takes us back to revolution. Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, and and nowadays almost every other show, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Like we just saw in Doctor Who, right? Yeah. Uh, now Philip takes charge of cleaning up the mess, which includes going to the airport to get McLaren's car. But there's that problem when the security guards yeah. stop him. Okay, so there's a couple things here. Good. Okay. A, the car's at the freaking airport, Philip. It's not like people are going to be suspicious anytime soon, right? Like, hey, that right. car's been here a couple hours. We better check it out. You know, like, of course, cars are at the airport for extended periods of time. Like, chill. You know, like, let, why don't we deal with the situation at hand, first of all. Secondly, I realized, you know, watching it the second time, I'm like, these guys are just like, they're like parking lot security dudes. And he comes up and says, let me see your driver's, your license and registration. I'd be like, kiss my ass, man. <laughs> like, Paul Blart, you're not going to see my license and registration. Who the hell are you, you know? Well, the one nice thing, though, it was the first time that I can remember we've seen Philip get physical. He takes the one guard right out and handcuffs him. But as you said, I mean, there are a number of things, including what you've mentioned already, that are problematic uh, with this. I mean, Philip is the tech guy. I mean, we know he's the historian. But he's also the tech guy. So did he not like conceive of the fact that the FBI might have a GPS right. on one of its own vehicles and is probably tracking yeah. that vehicle? Well, I, I guess he was kind of going on the assumption that they weren't like looking for um uh for Grant just yet. Okay. Um, though he, you know, and he probably thought, well, with his texting that he's kind of keeping people off the trail and no one's going to go looking for him. Okay. Uh, exactly. And that's fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, like, honestly, like if, if the car gets left, uh, maybe I'm missing some plot point, but even if they do discover McLaren's car at the airport, what, what's, what's going to be the big deal? You know, I'm sure he'll, he's always come up with ways to explain his stuff anyway right so so far you know just why it's still even the second time i didn't get why they had to go and get the car and what he was planning to do with it once he he did have it because you're absolutely right of course the car it's a government car of course it's going to have a gps right which then though because obviously forbes figures that out and now he's got gps data knows Every place McLaren's been in the past month, which means he knows the location of the team. Now, fortunately, Philip's watching and knows what they know. So he, you know, uh, tells them that the mission comes first and they've got to clear out of here. And, and, And actually, the way that they do handle the situation, I don't know what they did. Did they like inject McLaren with uh, adrenaline? Right. Uh, Yeah. Cause one minute they're, they're shocking him trying to get his heart to start. And then the next moment he's just sitting there on the desk. Right. 
But it, it does seem as if some it should have been something that Philip would have anticipated much, much earlier, the idea of McLaren's FBI vehicles, you know, having that GPS data. But Carly, as we've mentioned, looks more worried about McLaren's condition than the others. And, and of course, we understand why. And then we get that scene at the end with Kat packing to leave while Forbes goes to the team site. And, and, and again, how he's awake, we have no idea but he sets up this scenario in which philip is working for mac in a hacking case and and actually he was pretty good uh, that was that was really good that that was that was a really good scene right that whole i'm doing you a favor showing you how vulnerable you are attitude it was was just classic yeah and and in fact once uh forbes leaves and mclaren's like what are you doing (laughs) so yeah, and Forbes is pissed when he leaves, and it's just like, was this not a reasonable enough explanation for you? Like, why why are you walking away mad, you know? Well, you know, like you said, it is a reasonable explanation. On the other hand, we're partners, and... Yeah, good point. You don't go into... I mean, look, that that's policing 101. You don't go into the field by yourself without somebody knowing where you are. I, I think that's probably a lot of it, but it's all compounded because of the just the little things that have been cropping up. For instance, the fact that he's suddenly an excellent shot with his gun. Yeah. And, you know, a, again. Suddenly better than a bunch of things. Yeah. Now, the other part of this episode I, I think is far more fascinating. And, and, and of course, it, it plays into the, the other half of the episode. But while he's in surgery... He begins having flashbacks, or that's what we think at this point, to some of his host's memories, including when he and Kat first move into their home, then on vacation when the talk of a baby comes up. And, you know, we're, we're fed a lot of really sensitive, emotional, meaningful details that it'll be interesting to see how many that traveler mclaren remembers right once he's back on his feet and it's you know it's also telling that while both the um you know the traveler mclaren and the old mclaren the original mclaren the og mclaren um while they are both at the potentially end of their lives end of their consciousness you know replaying his entire relationship with cat is is what he does as his last gasp you know yeah um i i love the flat tire that derails them and i don't think we know why his arm is in a sling Uh, it must have been some sort of work related i know why so we get to see cat changing the tire well and which was all right which was all right and she's clearly at home changing a tire you know what i mean look uh, way back i when I'd rotate my tires, I did it in my driveway. So I'm, you know, right. jacking that car up, taking a tire off and all that. I'm not sure I could change a tire now. I mean, <laughs> the I last I time could. I had to, um, I, I, I actually, I was at school and I got a flat and um, I, I admit a, a kid had to come help me uh, to, to change my tire. <laughs> Yeah, which I felt like I felt like so I'm like I'm pathetic, you know. And I was like, I don't want to get it on my clothes and everything. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, the, the idea about the baby really 
comes kind of to the front uh, of this section of the episode because clearly yeah. they tried to have a baby yeah, and she did become pregnant, but there was a miscarriage and it apparently took her a long time to get over it, which is clearly understandable, especially when we assume it was her first pregnancy. But yeah, um, it, it seemed like it was even more than a miscarriage, it, you know, because they had actually done the nursery and you don't do that till pretty late in the game. Okay. So that's um, even more like, you know, kind of tragic. It seemed like she, they were probably, I think maybe even to the point where she had delivered the baby, oh. I would say, oh, okay. because he said how they almost lost her. So it seemed like. Oh, good um, point. Yeah. You know, so that, that. That scene was really just really heavy, heavy, heavy. Well, yeah, and, and the fact that she, despite all of that, is ready to try again, so why doesn't he? Now, again, as you said, and you certainly can understand when he explains that it was heartbreaking to lose our child, but the thought that I might lose you, and you understand why he's perhaps a bit reluctant to try again. Yes, I, I do understand that, but also he is certainly not being super sensitive to his wife, which, yeah, we know McLaren and sensitivity is not his strong point. And apparently it was not his strong point before he was taken over by the traveler. Yeah. Right. Right. Like so, when he yanks that tape and she like jumps. Yeah. That's, that's almost like that, that kind of like perfect comment on where the relationship is at, at the, that point, you know? Yeah. Well, she goes to see Forbes, but now we're back to square one since she doesn't remember the plane and the fact that he wasn't with a woman. So, again, I I think where we need to go in the last two episodes of season one really revolves around Grant McLaren having some serious explaining to do to not only his partner Forbes, but his wife, Catherine. Yeah. Absolutely. And at this point, you know, you really wonder how much longer he's, he can't keep giving Catherine memory wipes, you know? Right. Like, I think obviously at some point he's probably going to have to come clear. You know, and we were wondering who was going to be the first outsider that would be let back in. And, and it actually was Cat. But then they wiped her memory, so. Right, you know. and the fact that we know that they have that in their arsenal, I'm not sure I like it. it, it you know, is that just too easy? And on the one hand, I want to say, well, yeah, it is from a storytelling standpoint. But on the other hand, given when they're coming from, given what they're doing, it's entirely feasible that they would have the technology, and, and why wouldn't they? So Yeah, it just, just doesn't seem like multiple memory wipes is like good for you no yeah no. right now one of the things i think we've all noticed is that she seems to be pretty darned understanding about the demands of his job and well up to here i mean it, it we do see that flashback where she's starting to have difficulty coping and, sure. and she says it's like my life derailed but nothing happened she says to forbes who like her has noticed changes in grant that that whole line that he's better at a lot of things so Right. And and then that flashback to him packing away the baby's room. And and again, your explanation, I, I, I'm sure that's it. That, that makes so much more sense, even though she's not ready for him to pack it up. Yeah. 
And then that whole line, aren't we going to try again? So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That's that. I mean, you know, thank God I, I haven't uh, gone through that and I can't imagine the, what, what that is like and, and the emotions and, and everything that go with that, you know? So it's, you know, it's almost like you gotta, you gotta kind of give a, we're going to, it's going to be a couple, a couple months here that if we stay together, that we just understand that we were going through a really bad time and, you know, we made it through it, but the stuff that happened during that time, we just got to give a pass on that. I think, you know, right. Because we both did and said stuff that, um, that, that we did not that we said didn't mean, but that it was just out of a, out of, from a, a perspective of, intense pain and hurt and uh so let's just kind of you know move on from it and not dwell on that yeah and i mean it was such a wonderful way to get all of this information all of this backstory if you will across to the viewers but in addition it obviously sets up this triangle that is you know something's going to have to happen between cat mclaren and mclaren and and Carly, so yeah. Well, I think you know Carly just seems like she's kind of getting pushed out of the picture, you know. Right, and as we said uh, last week, it on, on the one hand, it's a little bit unfair because she, like McLaren, knows the entire story. Cat's uh, at somewhat of a disadvantage, right? So, yeah. But I, I love how in you know these these memories, the you know this near-death experience that we get to actually see he finally says these aren't my memories i'm not grant mclaren and she says well no and yes right these were his memories and then she says only the brightest shards fragmented and incoherent orphan neurons of your host cut off from you normally you wouldn't have had access to them Okay. So it's it, like you said at the top of the show, I mean, it's certainly something we've talked about almost on a weekly basis, how much of the host's memories are still there. You know, will right. there be any bleed through? Well, apparently in this kind of a case, because as he says then, well, why now? Yeah, right. right. And, and she says, consciousness given access to these memories as a refuge those were the last remnants of him, which obviously sounds rather ominous. Sure. These memories were so strong, they survived your arrival. And then that got me to thinking, well, then wouldn't that occur in all cases? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe not necessarily all, but just people who had the very strong memory. And, and, but actually, now I said that, I think, well, doesn't everyone have strong memories very strong memories that are like the strongest the the most personal the most emotionally charged uh memories that they have right i mean it may not be uh with a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a child or or whatever but there's something yes so now it appears that mclaren because he is going to survive is going to be severely conflicted about his emotions for cat which obviously sets up uh you know a, a lot of room for uh, action the rest of the way and then we get that closing scene where the repaired mclaren returns home to cat but finds that not only is she not happy 
we, we see the clothes stacked on the bed. She goes in to take a shower. And, uh, uh, dude, I'm sure you were like me. When he says, do you need me to wash your back? I'm like, yeah. I was just like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> yeah. Because- and, and, you know, the look she gives him is, you know, the same look we probably have all seen when we awkwardly ask that in similar situations and completely misread a situation. And, and she's just like, you gotta be effing kidding me, you know? Like, yep. so, all right, well, moving forward, as we said, Max got a lot of explaining to do to Kat and Forbes. And, and I guess I'm wondering how much slack they're going to be willing to cut him and how effective is the traveler mind wipe? You know? Yeah. Yeah, good question. What if that stuff comes back, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, there are just so many, so many things. I mean, we know nobody else survived the plane crash, so there's not anybody that's alive that could say, oh, I remember her from the plane, although right. the congressman survived. Exactly. Right. And so... Now, of course, he's a traveler now. But right. But I mean, as far as like real world logistics like he was he was on that plane and he's still alive so what you know like mclaren we know was wiped from there and cat was also wiped from that right yeah i assume that i guess that's what they're going to do with the congressman as well just you know remove all evidence that he was ever on the plane yeah i guess um is something going to be done medically to deal with Marcy's condition? I mean, they've got to address it. Is she just going to die? I mean, I we, think they're, they're ha- well, not happy to, but willing to just, yeah, to let her die because they're, the guy says, I'd like to help you, but you no, know, too bad. So sad. Yeah. Now I mentioned Joe uh, Malazzi's blog earlier in one of his, his uh, daily entries was about the fact that shows these days are not afraid to kill off major characters and he went on and explained you know all the different scenarios whereby you know a showrunner would make that decision so i mean you wonder we've got a relatively large cast but on the other hand uh, she seems to be a pretty critical team member i guess we'll see Trevor's situation at home in school is kind of getting to be a joke i mean <laughs> at what point does he simply leave home or does that create an even more tenuous situation? Well, who does he say? Like he says to someone this episode, I, th- I can't remember. He's like, "Oh, when when he, uh, I think when he wants the doctor to give him some of the nanites to heal up." And the doctor's like, uh, "Nope, sorry." He's like, "But I have school tomorrow." All right. So now, uh, how long is Philip's addiction going to be allowed to continue since you know eventually it will screw up one of the missions or put one or more of the team members in some sort of a jeopardy i I mean there's and i think again i think we talked about this a little bit last week as well there's no reason to not make that happen he's too critical to the team right right i mean you know it's kind of like they kind of like play up that when it's you know, in their interests and then completely ignore it. Like this whole episode, like Philip is around and about, he doesn't shoot up at all and he's doing all kinds of stuff and he's, he's managing it fine. And the only mention at all uh, of his addiction is like when he, they're pouring out the wine and, and they ask how much should they do? He's like, I don't know. I'm into heroin, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and that's the only time it's even mentioned. So, you know, you would think that for the, again, I'm 
in no way even not only not an expert but really have no idea what i'm talking about but um you know how long does someone who's addicted to heroin how long can they go without a fix because he goes this whole day pretty much right sure so right well i mean even marcy has talked about the the fact that they need to wean him from it and Again, uh, I feel like it's, uh, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on television. I mean, uh, I'm not a doctor, but I have watched a number of episodes of Intervention. And, yeah. and uh, like the first three seasons of ER. So I feel like you know, well, I could actually do this stuff. No, nah, I can't say I, I can't say that. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I would think a month maybe, which, you know, in the big picture, we're, we're talking about saving the world. So, I mean, can you can you see to it that, that this one – team member gets the treatment he needs so that he can be operating at a hundred percent. So, and then lastly, ironically, it's Carly whose home life is the most stable when you look at it. Um, yeah, I guess it's actually kind of true. So as we said, how is she going to deal with the fact that Mac may be moving closer to cat? And it'll be interesting right. to see. I mean, we we think. I, I mean, I think it's certainly safe to say, because he was willing to die for her. Yeah. That's 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 moving closer yeah. to her. Well, and certainly one thing that this episode accomplished for both Mac and the audience, us, is that we are way more into Cat than we were at the beginning of this episode. Sure, absolutely. Because right? at the end, you know, last episode she was this. I don't want to say necessarily shrewish, but suspicious, stalking wife. And after this one, we're like, wow. Like, now that I see so much of her, I've learned a lot about her. I I, I love her a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Which well, is exactly what McLaren says at the end of it. You know, like, I think he's he's kind of fallen in love with her by the end. Yeah. And, and, and that's, like, not great for carly it's not and and probably not great for the dynamic of the team moving forward this is why you don't sleep with co-workers there dave there you go so now i'm gonna go a minus on this one because i mean what? Narr- narr- narratively speaking i i really loved what they did but i i, I don't know i mean so so you you're going full on a i assume yeah yeah okay I don't. I don't give out A pluses. That, that's. I figured out why not. I'm like A pluses are for the likes of Firefly. Wow. And this show, while it is a great show, is is not has not reached that echelon. Okay. Well, there, there's. I, I guess there's some things I just can't qu- can't quite put my finger on that's keeping me from giving this an A. Perhaps it's that there are still too many plot details that that are just a little difficult for me to swallow in terms of a believability standpoint not terrible but uh so i'm gonna just leave it at an a minus uh a- anything else that you want to bring up before no, we, i mean uh, just like I, I love how they they move catherine from being this like kind of suspicious snarky kind of you know not necessarily pleasant character from before and now that we are totally 100 percent behind her and really love her uh, as a character and, and i'm kind of on team cat here you know like i guess if 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 that were a thing a team cat and team carly i, I would say i'm kind of on team cat here yeah i would have to say i am as well so 
Either way, another really strong episode as we head into what is now the penultimate episode 11 next time. There's actually one more thing. It's actually while we're talking about Carly and Kat. So when the, after Grant is revived, uh, the doc tells him that he needs to avoid sexual activity. I don't know if you notice, or after he says that the camera cuts to Carly, you know, and looking kind of like, I don't, I don't know what the, what? Yeah. Kind of like, you know, (laughs) you know, not definitely not a happy shot, but that was just funny how they, they, they did that. So. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear from you with follow-ups about uh, any of these Travelers episodes we've been talking about, anything you think we should be watching. like to encourage you to join the Facebook group, and if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. We'll be back next week to discuss Season 1, Episode 11 of Travelers titled Marcy. But until then... So, Dave, i actually been thinking that what we need for the website, what can really make our website pop is to have, like, like, a, a, like a, a motto, like a team motto. And I think I found one. All right? Tell me what you think. Here we go. A lot of pain toward a good cause. I like it.